Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 77. That guy is on fire. can't do Alicia Keys. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he listens to remixed pop music when he runs, Pat Flynn. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pat Flynn, and welcome to session 77 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I am so, so thankful that you're here. Whether you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show, or a long-time listener, welcome back. I just, I love you so much. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me and to also listen to the incredible uh, guest we have on the show, which I'm really, really excited about. But before I get to that, you might be able to hear it in my voice. I am just in such a good mood right now, and it's not only because you're here, not only because I'm recording a podcast, which I love to do, but because I just published my July monthly income report for 2013, and um, the numbers just just blow me away. Um, you know, these income reports are a great opportunity for me, sort of mid year, to calculate everything and see how my business is running, and, and really get a, a good snapshot of how the business is going. And in July 2013, I grossed over six figures, 116 thousand dollars, and the net income for July of 2000. 2013 was around $99,000 after expenses. And it just, like I said, completely blows my mind, to, uh, especially when I think about just, you know, five years ago, um, you know, I was still in a job in architecture. I had just lost my job. And and, and to go from that to, to this now, it's just incredible. And and honestly, I have, I have no one to thank but, but you for that. All the inspiration you've given me, those of you listening, um, just, you know, you are so amazing. The fact that I can produce this content and, 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 and share it for free, like here on the podcast and on the blog, and I'm getting paid back for it. Um, I mean, part of the reason for the big jump in income in July was because of the recent release of my course, Breakthrough Blogging, which you can find at breakthroughblogging.com. Enrollment is currently closed, but it's opening up later this year. Um, but that just launched in July, and uh, it did really well. The response has been amazing, and that's why there's a sudden jump in income. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful for it and so blessed. And it just provides me a lot, you know, even more motivation than I already had to keep pushing forward, keep providing content to you. And, um, you know, I'm not stopping at all. And, um, you know, don't worry, I'm not going to be bombarding you with pitch after pitch for that product in the future. But I am going to keep doing what I've been doing ever since the beginning. And that is focusing on you and serving you. Because the one thing I learned, and and, and this is the business model that I currently um, practice and teach is that the better you can serve your audience and the more you can do that, the more rewards will come back your way. And I'm trying to be an example of, of that uh, to you. And so with that said, um, again, thank you for everything. Uh, but w- with all that said, you know, let's get to, to today's content and today's special guest. His name is John Lee Dumas. You've probably heard of him before. If you haven't, he has one of the hottest podcasts out there right now, one of the hottest 
probably fastest growing brands I've seen in a while called Entrepreneur on Fire. You can find him at entrepreneuronfire.com and it's incredible. He, a year ago, had no brand, just an idea. And now he has a podcast, top-rated business podcast, 300,000 downloads a month, making five figures a month. And he's also, you know, pretty crazy. And you'll see why when we talk about it. But he's crazy because he had this idea. It was shot down by experts who said that this wasn't going to work. He did it. And it's working and it's incredible. And it's a great example. You know, John is a great example of someone who takes action and, and, and ha- you know, he has an idea or is told to you know, implement something and he does it. And he does it really well. And he creates these systems. And you, you, you know, you'll, you'll hear a little bit about his army background and how that's helped him and things like that. But you know what? I'm just going to go right into the interview. This is so inspiring. I just completed the interview and I wanted to edit it right away because I was so stoked about it. And I wanted to get it out to you as soon as possible. And the cool thing is today, the day I launched um, this podcast or released this podcast, episode 77, John just came out with this with his 300th episode. He's doing an episode a day. So we're gonna talk about productivity and systems and batch processing and all that stuff that help him get to where he's at so we can help you get to where you wanna go to. So let's all welcome our good friend, John Lee Dumas from entrepreneuronfire.com. All right, what's up everybody? I'm so happy to welcome my good friend and colleague, John Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. John, what's up, man? How's it going? Pat, I'm stoked to be here. Everything's going great. <laughs> I have to just congratulate you just up front because I believe that the day that this episode is going to go live, your 300th podcast episode will go live. And I just have to congratulate you on everything you've done in such a short time period. It's, it is really inspiring. You've come sort of out of nowhere and just blown everybody away and, and are seeing amazing success, which we're going to talk about today. Just, dude, Congratulations. Three zero zero, Pat. Thank you. I am so excited. And who was number one? Who was the first person you interviewed? Pat Flynn was my first episode, guys. Check it out. eofire.com slash Pat Flynn. I'm not good, but he's great. No, you were good, dude. And, and you know, <laughs> it's funny. We're going to talk about this. I mean, you've done 300 episodes in, in 300 days about, and you know, you've obviously improved. And we're going to talk about some of the things you learned from when you first started to what you're doing now. We're going to talk about monetization. We're going to talk about how in the heck are you doing a podcast a day, which is what you are sort of known for. And you're just blowing everybody out of the water. So before we get into all that stuff and all the all the juicy strategies and things like that, why don't you just tell us, you know, before Entrepreneur on Fire started, um, what were you doing before? And how did you sort of come up with the idea for Entrepreneur on Fire? Yeah. So basically my real quick history is after I graduated college, it was on a ROTC scholarship. So I spent four years as an active duty officer and then four years in the reserve. So that pretty much took up a lot of my twenties. And then when I left that, I was actually a real estate guy, both in commercial and residential. So I was in the car all the time, Pat, driving here, driving there. And that's when I fell in love with podcasts. And I started with the big boys like the Dave Ramsey's and the Wall Street Journals. Mm-hmm. But then I started finding the Mixer G's and the smart passive incomes. And those are the ones I really fell in love with because it was just people like you, just people like myself who are coming out with incredible content. But Back then, Pat, you were kicking out amazing podcasts, but only once every two weeks. So I kept running out of content. So one day, driving to work, stuck in traffic, I ran out of my last podcast and I hit the wall and I said, you know what? There's a niche that needs to be filled. There needs to be a seven-day-a-week podcast. I'm going to be that person. That is so crazy. I mean, when you came up with that idea, weren't there thoughts going across your head like, this is a crazy idea? Like, this is going to be a lot of work. What what made you believe that this could work? It wasn't just me too, Pat, that was thinking that because I was thinking it was crazy. And I went out and hired uh, Jamie Tardy, who was my mentor and my coach for the first three months of this venture. And she was telling me it was crazy. I joined Cliff Ravenscraft Podcast Mastermind and, and Cliff told me that it was crazy as well as everybody else in the mastermind. So I had all of these people who I admired and respected telling me that it couldn't be done. But deep down, I knew that I could apply some great work ethic and be that and have that unique selling proposition that really identified me as something different. It was just going to take that hard work. So I set the systems up. I really focus on that batch mentality and I was able to make it happen. 
That's awesome. And you know, we love Jamie Tardy from eventualmillionaire.com. We also love Cliff Ravenscraft from podcastanswerman.com. It's really interesting that, you know, these experts in podcasting, people who have been doing podcasting for a very long time now, told you, you know, don't do it or this is going to be crazy or it's not going to be done. I mean, how does that feel to have that kind of advice from somebody who is an expert versus what you really feel like you should be doing? I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs really need to listen to their gut and keep those blinders on when they really believe in something strongly, but at the same time, continue to take advice and to seek it out from those mentors and peers around you. Because Pat, there was a ton of great advice from Jamie and Cliff that I did implement directly into Entrepreneur on Fire, and it made it a great podcast from very early on. But on that one thing, I was not going to budge. Cliff said, John, people will not listen to a seven-day podcast. And Jamie said, John, you're not going to be able to physically produce a seven-day podcast. But you know what? I knew that there were people out there like me, Pat, who are driving to work five days a week, who are going to the gym three to five days a week, looking for more quality, more quantity. So that's who I made the podcast for. Yeah, that's so awesome. And you know what? You've you've done now 300 episodes in 300 days, and you just surpassed how many downloads last month? July was 308,000 downloads. That is ridiculous. That is so... Mm, that's so awesome, John. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is so cool. So, okay, so when you had this idea and you got this advice from Cliff and Jamie, and you're like, no, you know what? I'm just going to do it. What were your first steps? How did you first proceed into what you're doing now? So, the best thing that I did do was hire Jamie Tardy as a mentor, as a coach, because her first step for me was to go to Blog World, 2012, New York City, in June. She took me down there. I had no idea that this world existed. That people like. Derek Halpern, David Risley were making livings from what they were doing online. And so my eyes were opened. And because Jamie was a speaker, I got to go to the speaker's parties. And that's where I got to shake your hand, Pat, and Adam Baker and chat with you and him and Derek Halpern and share with you guys what I was doing because I was friends with Jamie Tardy. So I was able to become semi-friends with you guys. And I told you about Entrepreneur on Fire. I got the verbal yeses from a few of you. So when I got back to my little studio up in Maine, I could use that social proof from that first experience at that conference to continue to go forward. And I set up 40 interviews that summer for my launch date of September 20th. So September 20th was your launch date. When did you actually start doing the interviews? I started doing the interviews August of 2012. Okay, so you gave yourself a little bit of time. Now, there's some really important things that you mentioned there that I think is that everybody should, should, should pay attention to. If you want to quick start your business, if you want to put yourself in the world that you're trying to get into, whatever niche you're trying to get into, I mean, you, you physically did that. You went to Blog World and put yourself in that world. And luckily, you had that connection with, with Jamie, which I, you know, I don't think that was really luck. I think that was very smart of you to use that connection and you know, meet people like myself and David and Adam and, and, and Derek and everybody else. I mean, the relationships that you have in business are everything. And you had a very important vital relationship there right from from the beginning what i mean you've done 300 interviews now how many of the people you've interviewed and also based on your experience have said that relationships are important it's over 300 i mean literally it's every single person that i've interviewed always traces back their success to their connections to their network to relationships they've built is that six degrees of separation i mean literally I can probably trace every interview that I've ever done six degrees back to my mentor, Jamie Tardy, probably three degrees. And it's just like that small of a world once you get out and really start interacting and once you put yourself out there and start making those connections and those friendships. Yeah, that's really important. And also just, you know, getting uncomfortable a little bit. I mean, how was it? I mean, I don't know what kind of person you were before you went to this conference, but were you somebody who was just always down to meet new people and 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 kind of extend your hand and, and and introduce yourself to others who you'd never met before or were you like me when I first started and went to my first conference and I just kind of just sat in the corner and watched everybody I was definitely that person who loved meeting people and loved socializing but I will say with that caveat is that I had just sat in this crowded room seeing you on stage Pat command the room and then David Risley and then Derek Halpern and hearing what you guys were doing so I was definitely in slight awe of you guys at the same time. So it wasn't just like I was meeting some random friend of a friend. It was like I just am meeting this person who was on stage, who was presenting to a room full of captivated people who were hanging on his every word. 
And now I have him one-on-one. I really better make this count. So, you know, it was on that roof deck overlooking Madison Square Garden. I can remember it very clearly. It was a beautiful night. That's when I first met you guys and saw that, you know what? These guys are just people like myself. They're just really cool, genuine, down-to-earth people. And I'm going to really enjoy having conversations with them, not only now, but on a podcast where then I can share with the world their journeys. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember when we first met, and I think it's really important because I remember when I first met a lot of people who I, I looked up to when I first started, and it was surprising to me how just, you know, they're just like me. You know, they're just regular people. They just happen to have a little bit more experience in doing what it is that I eventually wanted to do. And so it's really good that you connected with those people. You built those relationships, and you've really um, hung on to those friendships. And, you know, I'm sure that's how you've been able to amass 300-plus interviews now, um, like you said, with that six degrees of separation based off of the relationships that you've created. So for those of you out there listening, you know, the key big lesson here is you have to go out and meet people, and there's no reason to be afraid to do that. And really, what's the worst thing that can happen when you approach somebody um, to potentially do an interview or just talk to or get advice from? The worst thing that can happen, really, is that they're just going to say no. And I don't know, uh, John, how many times people have said no to you for interviews, but I'm sure there's been a few. And you know what? You've still been able to um, just crush it. There definitely have been a few, Pat. And I will say that some of those people have even come back afterwards and said, you know what? That just wasn't the right time for me now. I was going on vacation. I had a lot going on. I had a book deal. And then they came back when the time was right for them. And that's totally great. That's definitely how it works. So go for that no. If you're not getting any nose pat, then you're not pushing the envelope. You're not getting out of your comfort zone. And that's really what I continue to do. Seth Godin said no to me four times. And then I randomly emailed him on a Thursday. And he emailed back within 20 seconds and said, how about tomorrow 1 p.m.? Well, you better believe I canceled my dentist appointment that <laughs> that tomorrow on, on at one p.m. and Seth Godin and I had that interview. Yeah, your teeth can wait for for Seth. Godin. <laughs> Take a couple more cavities, please. <laughs> okay, so I've been dying to ask you this question. You know, like you said earlier, I, I was only able to produce um, a podcast once every two weeks at first, and lately I've been doing it once a week, and. I've noticed it's I mean and I know this it's, it's it's hard work it's it's a lot of hard work to put up a podcast have it be valuable and also connect with other people for interviews and schedule those I mean how are you able to do one episode a day because I don't think I would be able to do that what's your secret So Pat I do trace some of this back to my army days because as an army officer we did learn very quickly that time will expand or that tasks will expand to the time that you allot them to. And I also believe that's like a Parkinson's law where if you give yourself four hours to do something, it will take four hours. But for me, from the very beginning, I'm like, I am going to have a batching technique. I'm going to utilize this. And so every single Monday, I'm going to have eight interviews scheduled on the hour every single hour and I'm just going to go back to back to back and it's going to be a very long day and emotionally draining and there's going to be a lot else that gets put in the back burner but at the end of that Monday I'm going to be done for the week and so these Mondays Pat have continued since I started Entrepreneur on Fire every single Monday I am putting in these really crazy hours usually about 16 hours total including edits but by the end of that day and specifically when I wake up Tuesday morning My week is my oyster. Literally, I can run Entrepreneur on Fire on one day a week. Now, I am busting my hump the other five plus days a week that I'm working for sure on everything else of the business. But just the interviews alone, I get all of them done, edited, uploaded to Libsyn on Mondays. That's awesome. So you're basically putting in the hard work on Mondays so you could reap the benefits of of the rest of the week. It's all about the passivity, Pat. Yeah, the passivity. (laughs) No, but I, I mean, bat- right. uh, batching is such an important strategy. And the first time I heard about this was when I was reading The 4-Hour Workweek, which yes. is, of course, all about productivity and, and efficiency and things like that. And it was based off of Tim's uh, experience with emails and taking um, you know, specific time slots during the day to specifically just answer emails. And that has been a huge productivity tip for me. And I think... 
this is sort of an, another even greater example of, of how batch processing and batch creation can work f- for you. And, you know, you know, going into Monday, I'm sure that that's your day to do the interviews and you're in interview mode and that's when everything gets scheduled. So it's a lot easier. I know a lot of other people who do consultations and they only do them on certain days of the week as opposed to just randomly and it probably makes your life a lot more organized and so i have to ask you know when you're not doing interviews what are you you know on you know tuesday through sunday what are you doing so i am running every other aspect of entrepreneur on fire to make it a as viable of a brand and as known of a brand as i possibly can so i am on social media everyone that you can name really just continuing to post content and to give high quality um, interviews. And I'm actually being interviewed on other people's shows an average of six days a week, sorry, six times a week. And I batch all of those on Thursday. So every Thursday, my schedule looks back to back for six hours of being interviewed on other people's shows. So that's continuing to just get out, kind of give back in a way, pay it forward. Because people like yourself, Pat, who agreed to be on my show before I was anything, I love when people reach out to me and say, John, will you be my first interview? I am honored by that and I can never say no. So I am forever scheduling those on my Thursday interview days. I'm, you know, I've written a book. I am creating products. I've created a membership mastermind that now has over 80 people that takes a lot of time and management as well. We do webinars for that. So let me tell you, I have a rescue time app and it's very rare that my rescue time app is under 70 hours a week for actual on the computer action. Okay. So you are putting a lot of work into this, but what are you getting back from it? Well, I will say I'm getting a lot back from it. Personally, I'm getting freedom. And by the word freedom, I mean freedom to do what I want to do. And that's exactly what Entrepreneur on Fire is. I created a business of things that I love to do, things that I enjoy. That's talking to incredible entrepreneurs. That's sharing their message, their journey. That's inspiring literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world with their journey to to take their leap or at least to start down that path, whatever that may be. And to me, that's incredibly rewarding. And I knew that it wasn't going to be an immediate monetization. I knew that I wasn't going to launch September 20th and then start bringing money to the bank October 15th. Like I knew there was going to be some time that I had to put in of just creating a lot of value before I started seeing things on the back end. And for me, Pat, it was about five months of just constant content creation and constant giving of high quality value before I really started seeing monetization. Right. And then speaking of monetization, um, you said you mentioned you wrote a book, you are creating products, um, you have the mastermind uh, webinar thing. um, and, And I think you're also doing sponsorship. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So for sponsorships, to start off with that, I pretty much hit my critical mass that Seth Godin talks about back in March of 2013. That's when I was generating over 200,000 downloads per month. I started being approached by sponsors, by Audible, by LegalZoom, by Squarespace, by 99designs, and they wanted to be on Entrepreneur Fire, or they wanted to sponsor the episodes to speak to my guests who are all entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. And I definitely resisted it first because I wanted to it to get to a certain price point before I diluted my podcast to bring sponsors on because I do believe that sponsors do dilute the podcast. Now, if you bring the right sponsors on, I believe they dilute it less because Audible, 99designs, LegalZoom, they're all of great value for entrepreneurs at certain levels, mm-hmm. but I still wanted it to be worthwhile for me. So it wasn't until I really hit the $500 per episode mark that I started bringing sponsors on. And that meaning that I was bringing in an income of $500 per episode by having two sponsors on my show per episode. Okay, so you were making $500 per episode. So that's basically $500 per day. Yes, because there's 30 a week, yeah. I mean, a month. Wow, that's awesome. When was your first sort of um, taste of monetization? When did that come into play? So the first real taste of monetization would probably, it was April 1st is when I really started that sponsorship and that monetization. So a month after that is when I started really getting the big checks from the sponsors. That five-figure monthly income started rolling in at that point. And that was for the sponsorships. And so that's been a very consistent, very steady stream of monetization that's only continued to grow, Pat, because they pay per download. And so when I was getting 200,000 downloads, I was at 
the $500 per um, podcast. But now I'm at 300,000 downloads per month. So that's about a 65% increase that I'm now generating for every single podcast. So that is continue, continuingly, continuously increasing the monetization that I'm bringing in from the sponsorships. But there are definitely many other things that I'm currently doing right now to continue to open up different income streams. Because one thing that you talk about that I'm a big believer in is diversifying, not just relying on one income stream. Because as entrepreneurs, we all know that that can be gone in any second. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I just talked about this in my July income report and the recent release of Breakthrough Blogging and how how important it was for me as a business owner to have a business model that I can take control of because yes, I'm making good amount of money through affiliate marketing, like how you were making good money through sponsorships. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into sponsorships really quick um, before we move on. But you know, at any moment in time, any of those companies, any of those affiliate relationships could go away and that income would be gone in an instant. Um, so it's really important to create something for yourself too. And, and, and I know you're doing that, but going back to sponsorships really quick, um, how are these sponsors advertising through your brand? Are they, are you, are, are do, like, do they have commercials on your show or are they just mentioned in your post or, are, you know, how long are the spots on your show if there, if there are spots on your show? So another reason why I did agree to go to the sponsorship route, because I really do love the approach that sponsors take, because these are very savvy, smart companies. They, they understand what converts, and they know that coming on and having some random advertisement, random commercial on a podcast is going to be tuned out like any other advertising that we currently tune out on TV, on the radio, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they come to you and they literally say, Pat, We just want to give you talking points. Here are 15 talking points. You can use them in any way that you want. And basically what my team here does is we take those talking points, we craft them into my own personality, and then for 15 seconds at the top of the show, it's called a pre-roll, we do that sponsorship slot. And then for 60 seconds during the middle of the episode, we do what's called a mid-roll. And that's where for 60 seconds I'll be talking about that slot so it's in your own voice. It's in your own personality. It's you talking to your audience, and they know that your audience is going to respond much better to someone they know, like, and trust, and that's the host. So for me, I have these sponsorship slots. They go very naturally with the podcast because it's just me saying how I use Audible, which mm-hmm. books I've recently listened to, or how I recently used LegalZoom to form an LLC or how I use 99designs to get a recent logo and how they can get $99 off of their next design if they go to 99designs.com slash fire. So I'm actually giving the listeners some pretty solid value if they do want to get a logo or a banner for their site. And it's also the company's way of tracking the kind of engagement that they're getting. So it's a win-win when people go through and utilize those different offer codes or landing pages. Right, and, uh, and I've been approached by sponsorships too, and I have my own take on them, and obviously, currently, there are no sponsors for the, for the Smart Passive Income podcast, um, but it is something I have considered and I've talked about on, this, on the website before, and you know, we'll see where that goes, but for other people out there listening, John, I mean, you know, I, I've gotten um, you know, approached by a lot of these same companies that you mentioned, LegalZoom, 99Design, Squarespace, and whatnot, but for other people out there who have podcasts or who have um, other shows, in different niches, you know, I don't know if they would necessarily be approached like we are since we're in the space of savvy business owners who know that, you know, this can convert for them. Um, how would you recommend that someone else with a show in a different niche would go and find sponsors if that's something they're interested in? And this is a great example because I did this actually with Shopify. So even in our niche, we can go out and be creative. But for anybody else that are in different niches that are looking for potential sponsors, you know what kind of companies resonate with your brands. You know what your audience goes to and what they utilize. So go to that company's website. Scroll to the very bottom. At the very bottom, there's always that contact us. There's that affiliates. There's that partnership. There's one of those links. You click on those links, and that's going to give you the email address of that company, of that actual part of that company that deals in those areas. And that's how you can start the conversation. For me, I just tweeted the CEO of Shopify, and literally he tweeted back, John, here's the email address to the guy you should talk to. 
Within two days, we had a three-month sponsorship deal inked. It was really that quick. And that's how people can go out and either go to their website or just go ahead and tweet the CEO. Why not? No, I love that because, you know, and, and, and I'm partly asking in a selfish manner for myself too because I am going to be actually doing another podcast for the food truck site that I'm putting up for the niche site tool. Um, cool. it's, it's just It just makes complete sense that business owners – who have food trucks, you know, they are going to want to hear from other food trucks and they might be on the road and, you know, doing other things where they might be able to take in information through a podcast. And one of the things I'm interested in is monetization through sponsorships for food trucks. And there's so many vendors there's there, and, and other companies who deliver products and, and, and offer services for food truck owners. So I'm really interested in how that's going to go. And I'm definitely going to take that advice. And, you know, a lot of food truck owners I've learned are really savvy or, ha- or or use Twitter quite a bit. So I'm definitely going to take that route. And once the site is up, once the podcast is rolling, I'm definitely going to take that advice from you. So thank you for that. Yeah, rocking. Now, you said that you work with a team. Can you describe your team and, ha- and what they do for you? Yeah, so my team has, since I started, I started day one with two virtual assistants. I went through Chris Ducker's virtual staff finder to get two really incredible virtual assistants from the Philippines who both work 40 hours a week for me. And that started literally from day one. They were doing my social media. They were doing design work for me. And they were just doing a lot of great things that were allowing me to focus, again, on the interviews and the Entrepreneur on Fire content specifically. So... Ever since day one, that's been my team. However, I will say and I'm very proud to say that about five months ago, my girlfriend left her job as a very high-level advertising account executive and joined the Fire Nation team <laughs> as the director of content creation. Pat, you've met her yes, a couple she's times. Awesome. Kate, she really is great. And she's completely just come into Entrepreneur on Fire and immersed herself and done some amazing things for the company and for Entrepreneur on Fire as a whole. And that's been uh, a really blessing for us on a lot of levels. And so now our team is four people strong. You know, everybody's working very hard and they're very passionate about it. And that's really where we're at right now. We're not even looking, we don't really need to expand at this point. We're not looking to, to continue to bring on potentially more virtual assistants. We're not there yet. We found a really good niche at this point. That's awesome. That's you know, having your girlfriend come on and work with you. I mean, that we, maybe we could dedicate a whole nother episode on that. Sure. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, your VAs really quick. Um, what, what type of VAs did you hire? Because I know Chris Ducker does a great job of outlining the different types of VAs and the price points that you might be paying for full-time work for each. So if you wouldn't mind, what kind of VAs did you hire and how much are you paying them monthly? Totally. And Pat, I take 100% after your lead with 100% transparency. So no question can go unasked. No rock will be unturned. And for me, when I went to uh, Chris Ducker, virtual staff finder, and I said, you know, these are the kind of virtual assistants I'm looking for. I was looking for someone that understood social media, that knew how to use Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and to create groups. And, you know, things that maybe are kind of basic to certain people, but I really were look, was looking for high-end, advanced that uh, virtual assistants who had worked with other companies in these manners. So I specified all that stuff out. And then for the second virtual assistant, I was looking for somebody that did have skills in design, like Photoshop, like Adobe Audition for some editing if need be, and some transcription skills. So I was able to get two different sets of three virtual assistants each who I went through all of their um, resumes and, and talk to them on Skype and interview them. And from each batch of three, I chose one virtual assistant from each of those that fit my needs perfectly. And they've been on the team ever since. Awesome. How much are you paying each of them? $500 per month each. And that's for 40 hours of work. Yeah. And I knew that was going to be the answer somewhere near there. And, I, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is just because you can leverage so much time for hiring virtual assistants from uh, the Philippines. We've talked about this before. I've had Chris on the show to talk about the benefits of doing that. And it might seem ridiculous that you're only paying you know, $500 uh, per VA every month when you mention that you're getting $500 per episode, probably more now. Um, but that's just how these different economies work and and I remember uh, back when I had my Filipino VAs and they did excellent work for me I just unfortunately the work I hired them for was no longer so I had to let them go but um, when I had them on board they were amazing and I even offered more money because I just felt 
sort of weird not you know it was just like you know i was paying my developer mike eight hundred dollars a month to do a lot of technical stuff and wordpress design and things like that and i offered him more and he was like no no no, i don't want any more and it's just the way the culture works over there it's you know eight hundred dollars is actually on the high end and they don't want to make more money because they don't want to become a target you know it's still a third world country and you know if you're making too much money you have a bullseye on you and it's just really interesting how that whole thing happens and, and i actually had a talk with chris about this chris ducker specifically because i really wanted to come in at what was the right number i wasn't trying to skim because i'm a huge believer and you get what you pay for and he said john right. $350 is really the base that you pay per month. And I said, well, listen, what if I'm really looking to go high quality, like I really want the best applicants for this, these positions, like what number would, would it be for these really high quality applicants? And he said, listen, $500 for, for this level of VA, they're doing social media and design work is really high. They will completely dedicate themselves to you. They will not be having any second jobs. They'll just be working for you 40 hours a week and it will be a life changer for them. They'll be able to move to a different neighborhood. They'll be able to support their family and then some on this. And sure enough, that's exactly the feedback that I get from both of these virtual assistants. They thank me on a monthly basis. The 13 month, um, you know, which is when you actually pay them for an extra month and in, in, during the Christmas period, mm -hmm. they are so thankful for, and it's just been a great experience. Yeah, it's it, that's awesome. So, you know, if you're looking for virtual assistants, definitely go through Chris Ducker. I've recommended his service before. Uh, my affiliate link for that is smartpassiveincome.com slash virtual staff finder or you can go directly virtualstaffinder.com um, and you'll see my testimonial there on his homepage. but moving on i want to go back moving on i want to go back to uh <laughs> the, the these these other products that you're creating for your brand so you've built up this audience you started to do sponsorship and now you actually wanted to create products of your own which like we talked about was really smart now a side thing i just remembered i remember new media expo earlier this year uh, in January in Vegas, and um, I did a presentation on the power of giving stuff away for free. And at the end, I did something interesting. I did what's called a what I call a reverse Q and A. So instead of having questions and, uh, asked by the audience to me, I, I actually picked a couple audience members and asked them questions to help them discover what they could be offering for free to help take their business to the next level, to draw in more eyes, to increase their subscription and build more authority and things like that. And you were one of the lucky people who raised your hand and I selected you and you came up to the front and you asked, or actually I asked you a bunch of questions about your business to discover what it is that you should be giving away for free. And at that moment in time, you weren't giving away anything. Is that right? That is correct. And then what did we sort of figure out and what did you do within like two days? You, I mean, that's, if there's anything to take away from what John does, I mean, you are, John, an action taker. And when, you know, that's how you know that certain people are going to be successful. When they're given a task or, or they come up with an idea or they, um, you know, someone gives them advice on something that they should be including in their brand and they just turn around and do it. I mean, you are that person, John, and I'm so impressed by that and inspired and I'm sure everyone else is too. So, you know, after I gave you this advice on what to create for free, you did it in like two days and you sent me an email. He's like, hey, Pat, check this out. Is this what you're looking for? <laughs> and it absolutely was. So what was it that you created and, and, and what were the benefits or the, the sort of, um, you know, the rewards for, for doing that? So at that time, Pat, you looked at me and you're like, well, dude, you've interviewed like over 100 people at this point. So why don't you take like 10 of those best interviews or 10 of the best themes and create an an ebook that is 10 incredible insights from 10 incredible entrepreneurs and just put it all together in an ebook format so people can just go, you know what? I want to learn a little more about this. I want to see what all these interviews are about. Let's go to the best of the best right here. Boom. So I put that on my website a day and a half after I landed from Vegas. Pat's words were still ringing in my mind. <laughs> and when that happened, Pat, my email opt-ins rate jumped about 135% from where it was at about 15 a day to over 40 email opt-ins a day because it was something that people wanted. They were getting it for free. You know, they were entering their email address and then they were getting emailed this ebook for free. And so I was growing my email list. And because of that now, I'm at over 4,000 emails subscribers to Entrepreneur on Fire at that very steady clip where I just really started collecting emails about eight months ago. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And again, congrats on on the success, and and also just thank you for implementing. I mean, 
executing it. I mean, this is, I mean, a lot of us who are listening, I'm sure, have ideas that we want to do or things that we know we need to do. You just need to do it. I mean, you need to show up and do the work and make things happen because this is the kind of stuff that can happen. So thank you for being an example, John. Yeah. If you want to be, do. If you want to be, do. I love it. So now that you're creating these other products of your of, of your own, um, ones that you would sell, I mean, what was, the, what was the first one that you created and where did you come up with the idea for it? Well, one thing that I love that you said really recently during this interview, Pat, is now that you've built your audience, and that's one really key thing that I think a lot of listeners can take away that's not podcast specific. It's all about building the audience because once you build an audience, like when Pat Flynn built his audience, when I built my audience, we start getting emails on a daily basis from our listeners, from our followers who are giving us the products to create, the services to create. They're saying, John, this is what I'm this is what I'm suffering from. This is what I'm struggling with. And those are gold. And you hear those enough, you can move forward with it all because you've built an audience that's communicating with you. And so for me, Pat, the email that I kept getting over and over again was John, here I am in this small town. I, I am so entrepreneurial. I have all these passions, all these ideas, but I have nowhere to go with it. Nobody's around me, inspiring me, supporting me giving me feedback and criticism when I need it. And most of all, nobody is committed to my success like I would be to theirs. I don't have like-minded entrepreneurs. So that just kept coming off over and over again. Finally, I just said, you know what? I know exactly what's needed because it's something that I wish I had when I first launched Entrepreneur on Fire. And that was a mastermind. So that was the birth of Fire Nation Elite. And that is really when I started the mastermind and started reaching out and, and sharing with my audience what I was creating. And we actually launched just recently, July 1st. But I'll tell you, Pat, the response has been unbelievable. I was just one of those guys that was like, you know, we'll probably start with 15 or 20 people and grow very slowly because I know there are people that want this. But we've thus far had close to 300 applications now for this membership mastermind. And we're currently at an active 82 members within Fire Nation Elite. And the reason why we're only at that number right now is because I'm actually having one-on-one -on -one conversations with every single applicant because I'm really looking to grow something very special with Fire Nation Elite, one Fire Nation Elite member at a time. So I'm having a, uh, an actual 15-minute chat with every applicant going forward. And that's just an example of me listening to my audience, creating something that they're telling me that they want then planting my flag, and then them flocking to it. And it's been such a great, not only success, but experience for me, for Kate, for everybody that's involved in the Entrepreneur on Fire team, because these people are just inspiring entrepreneurs who are sharing some great insights with me and with each other. And the success stories that are already coming out of that are blowing me away. Yeah, I mean, I had Chris Ducker over at my house, and we recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, a few episodes back, and we were talking about the importance of a mastermind and connecting with other people and having a group of people you can rely on and go to and get criticism and feedback from, and I think it's so cool that you combine that with exactly what your audience wanted, and, and like you said, you just listen to them, and you provide it, and I think a lot of people don't do that, or they, they think they know what their audience wants, but they don't know for sure. And it's it's very risky to create something and expend all that energy and money to create something that may or may not work. Where you, on the other hand, um, and, and me with Breakthrough Blogging and, and, and a lot of other people who are doing successful things and creating successful products, they are coming out as a result of the feedback and the needs and the pains of their exact audience, the people who are going to be using those products anyway. Um, and, and I think that's really smart. I think that's a, that's a huge lesson for everybody here listening. Um, you know, a lot of people, they create the products first before even building an audience or understanding exactly what their audience wants. And, and, and that's, a, that's a complete mistake. And I know we want to rush and, and, and create something that can make money for us first. But I think, speaking long term, you know, build that audience first, understand all about them, and then provide them what they need to improve and, and, and just serve them in any way you can. And you found this way to serve them, which I think is really awesome. Thank you. And I mean, I couldn't agree more because that's exactly what it's all about. It's listening to your audience. And then when they're telling you what they want, create that minimally viable product, just a shell of what you're actually going to do. And then bring it out to them and say, 
what is this? Is this what you're talking about? How can I improve? How can I pivot this to make it better for you? Don't stay behind closed doors and work on it till it's a finished product. Pat, your course is a great example. I mean, you released a course and there's still some that are being added to it as you're continuing as you're continuing to work on it. And the feedback that you're getting is allowing you to improve it along the way. Right. Exactly. And part of part of what goes along with that um, is allowing people and making them feel comfortable enough to give you feedback, actually asking for that feedback, um, even before you know what product you want to create. I think, um, you know, like you said, you, you, you got to listen, but you also got to give an opportunity to your audience to say something first before you listen. So that, I mean, there's a lot of things that go along with that, being open, giving permission to do that, making people feel comfortable and giving them a platform to easily do that. Um, and, and of course, a blog is a great way to do that. If you have a podcast, you know, I'm also very interested, um, John, on how you do this. I mean, you have a podcast on a podcast, you know, you can't click on anything. You have to take further action in order to, you know, get a response from your audience. How are you doing that through your podcast? And how are you able to listen to your audience when they're listening sort of, um, you know, when you don't even know who's listening on the other side? So one thing that I've really found is effective because you can go through GoDaddy and get some really cool, very, very cheap domains. And so for me, I've really gone out and just found some really great and cheap domains that do ring a bell. So when you are on a jog, when you are in the car and you're not able to click, it's going to ring true because you're hearing it a couple of times. And for me, for Entrepreneur on Fire... I use eofire.com multiple times throughout the episode. And that's a very easy phrase that people can remember and go back to. And for instance, for Fire Nation Elite, I just got firenationelite.com. And that is something that's going to redirect. So I'm just buying these great, easy to remember domains off of GoDaddy for $1 and then forwarding them to different pages on my site. So I'm not opening a new site every single time I'm mentioning a different domain. I'm just buying a domain that's very easy to remember and then forwarding it to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Fire Nation Elite. But instead of having that whole mouthful, it's just firenationelite.com. And so that's a great way as a podcaster, you can really make it easy on your audience by just buying these cheap, easy to remember domains and forwarding them to your current domain, whatever that may be, whatever page you want them to land on. Absolutely. That's, that's a great tip and one that I've been implementing for a long time. I actually got that tip from the guys over at Internet Business Mastery. Um, you know, they, they, for the longest time, and I think they still do it, they, they at the top of their show, they mention, you know, for, for your free gift, go to freeaudiogift.com or freevideogift.com. And that's what I was like, that's such a smart idea. Right. So it's really cool to hear that you're doing that too and you're, and you're also seeing success from it. So anyone out there who has a podcast, but not only a podcast, but, you know, if you're going to do an interview, you know, if you're on a, if you're on somebody else's podcast as a guest or if you're doing videos too, it's a really really smart thing to do. And they're they're, you know, the, the you do have to spend a little bit of money on the domains and if you don't have the budget for that, I mean, you it, it's just a little bit of money, but you can also use a WordPress plugin called Pretty Links to make something, you know, a little bit nicer than what it normally would be. Um, now, just a quick question, how are you getting domains for a dollar? <laughs> if you literally go to Google and just type in GoDaddy and then it pops up in Google under GoDaddy, it has like all those little sub sub things like about XYZ. It literally there's a there's a one of those links that says 99 cent domains and you click on that 99 cent domain link and that brings you to a special GoDaddy page that gives you that domain for 99 cents. Awesome. That is cool. Yeah, I'm in it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. 99 cent domain name sale. Dude, awesome. Thank you for that tip. Did you do, did it work for you? Yeah, I see it. I see it. Sweet. And so while you're kind of writing that down, too, I'll, I'll mention one thing that a couple of my guests have done that I think is brilliant. So Greg Hickman runs mobilemix.com. And when he was recently talking with me and he was chatting with my audience, he said, hey, guys, if you want to go to mobilemix.com slash fire, I have something special for you. So if you're ever a guest on somebody else's show, then it's great to have something set up for them to just go check out because that's going to then draw them to what you have going on. And it's great to have something for them as a little gift, as a giveaway. For him, it was a mobile checklist. And so that's a great example for the listeners to know that they can come prepared when they're being interviewed on other podcasts. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. Thank you, John. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Greg, I know you're listening to this. Oh, yeah. Um, check him out, mobilemix.com, rising star. Um <laughs> Okay, couple couple other things I want to finish off with. We're already at forty five minutes. I can't believe it. I mean, oh, let's keep going. Okay, let's do it. Um, 
you've done over 300 interviews. There's got to be some commonalities between these successful entrepreneurs. What are the top three things that you know most of these entrepreneurs are saying that were vital to their success? So the number one thing that every single entrepreneur talks about is the fact that they just started. They had those exact same doubts, those exact same fears that every single listener has right now that I had back in the day and still have on a daily basis that you have, Pat, that Seth Godin has. These same fears and these same emotional roller coasters that we're all on, they had them, but they did something different than a lot of people than the other 99%. They just started. Another thing that I always am hearing from these people, and we've mentioned it once, but it's worth mentioning again, connections, networking, relationships. That is what brought them to the next level, was literally reaching out to people, to like-minded entrepreneurs, to peers in their groups and aligning themselves with them and getting to know them. One of my favorite Jim Rohn quotes is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I'm asking the listeners, think about the five people you're spending the most time with and you're the average of those five people. Is that a good average? If it's not, what do you think it would do to drop number five and to pick up a new number one? How much would that bring your average up? So reach out, try to get, surround yourself with like-minded entrepreneurs that are going to bring your average up. When I moved to San Diego, I was very actively emailing Pat and saying, Pat, hey, let's get together. And you know, he eventually relented. And we had lunch last week with Amy <laughs> Portafio, with Caleb Wojcik. It was an amazing time. And we got together and we're building a friendship because of that, because I know that I want to surround myself with these people and everybody that's listening out there can do that as well. Right. And really the third thing that I want to talk about is getting out of your comfort zone. And that's what all these entrepreneurs did. Nobody likes the sound of their voice. Nobody likes how they look on video. Nobody likes speaking on stage. But guess what? The people that do those things are the people that are successful in the entrepreneurial world. I don't like it. Pat never liked it. But when we do it, number one, you improve. And number two, you're expanding your brand. And number three, you start to like it. Now, Pat, you enjoy doing podcasts. I love doing podcasts now. I'm looking forward to New Media Expo in January. I'm speaking on three different occasions, two panels and one solo presentation. And I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. But you have to get out there and push the envelope. Because if you're not pushing the envelope, like all these entrepreneurs did at one point, then you're not stretching your limits. You're not growing as an entrepreneur. So those are the three major takeaways. And I'm sure you're going to make it much more coherent in the show notes page, Pat. But you can tell I'm passionate. I love talking about this subject. I could probably go on for about 10 more. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's do two more then, if you wouldn't well, mind. Well, I, I definitely wouldn't mind because, I mean, so these entrepreneurs, one thing that they definitely did time and time again, and this is one thing that I almost call the baby effect, because literally so many of the entrepreneurs that I've had on my show always point back to, you know what? I had just had a baby and, and, and I heard it a few times and I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of a coincidence, but it kept happening over and over again. And so I really started drilling down into those points and it almost, and I think the reason why it kept coming up is because that was their backs against the wall. Now they knew that they had to support a family. There was no not getting out of the comfort zone because it wasn't just on them they were embarrassing. They were needing to provide for a family. So, so many times it was when these entrepreneurs had their backs against the wall and that survival instinct kicked in that really got them moving forward. So sometimes as entrepreneurs and as entrepreneurs, you need to think that sometimes the most difficult times in your lives are the best because that's what's making you flip that switch and start moving forward in the direction you need to go. So I'm not saying go out and just have a kid or, <laughs> or get fired from your job, but it is so consistent that one of those two things are what spurs so many entrepreneurs' careers because they had nothing else and they had no other, no other way to go. But up. And the last thing that I'll talk about, Pat, is passion. Because this is a long game. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And if you really want to end this marathon near the front, you need to be doing something that you are passionate about. And if you're doing something just for the money, if you're doing something just to, just to succeed and to be successful, you're not going to be able to stay in the game long enough. You're going to get burned out. And I'll, I'll, I'll end this little rant, these five things, with an Albert Einstein quote, which is, try not to become a man of success, but rather become a man of value. And so for me, 
I believed in that quote. So I led with value with Entrepreneur on Fire and success followed. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs that fail try to lead with success, hoping that value in the, in the monetization is going to follow them. But it's really the other way around. So really find a passion that coincides with a viable business and, and move forward in that because that's the long game. That's something you're going to be around in 10 years still talking about. And that's where the success is going to come. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that, John. Thank you. So just to recap those five things, because I think they're all really important, you know, just get started, you know, don't, you know, just do. Uh, number two, the connections and relationships you have are incredibly important for taking you to the next level, connecting you with the right people to help take your business to where it needs to go. Number three, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. And I love that one because truly life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And for me, you know, that's how, that, that's how I know that, you know, whatever it is that I'm about to do, that if that fear kicks in, if, if that resistance kicks in, that to me is a sign that whatever it is that I'm about to do is worth doing. And knowing that and having that sort of mentality and approach always pushes me forward. That's how it hap- that's that's how I felt when I started my online business. That's how I uh, felt when I started my YouTube channel, my podcast, and especially public speaking. Definitely afraid of it, but I had enough experience knowing that when that fear kicked in, that's something that's good and I should complete and do. Um, that's how I knew that I should just, you know, go up uh, go up there on stage and and like we said number 1, you just just do it and get started. Number 4, have babies, not really, but <laughs> Um, you know, I have two and I will tell you that they are incredibly motivating and they are the reason behind everything I do. And, you know, I'm not saying go and have babies, but I think your point and like you just mentioned, you know, it's it's that survival instinct and putting your back up against the wall one way or another. And there are different ways to do that. Um, and, and number five, you know, passion, which which obviously is is very important. So Pat, real quick, have you seen the movie Old School uh, with Will Ferrell? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, I, I'm really glad that you just rephrased all of those five things because I thought you might ask me to repeat them. And it was kind of like that scene in old school where Will Ferrell just blacks out and he goes off on a rant about the economy and then comes back. Like, that was kind of me, so I had actually no idea what I said. So I'm really glad that you recapped it for Smart Passive Income Nation. Uh, man, thank you. And I'm really glad you referenced a Will Ferrell movie. He's one of my favorite <laughs> actors, actually. That's funny. Now, to finish up, you know, you, you, you've, I mean, you have you even been doing this for a year now? No. Well, the idea for Entrepreneur on Fire hit me in about June of 2012. And that's when I went down to Blog World. And I still, I had nothing. I had no domain. I had no real anything viable at that point. I just had an idea. So I've been doing it really for about 10 months. uh, But the idea did spark about 12, 13 months ago. Okay. So that sort of feeling of, you know, having nothing is still sort of fresh in your mind because it was less than a year ago or just about a year ago. So oh, I want yeah. I want to ask you what what are some of the biggest things you learned in in your short journey here so far and and, and incredible amounts of success um, that you wish you knew when you first started. One thing that I really wish I knew was what happens when you do take action in this space. I had seen the results in the military. I'd seen it in real estate. I knew that action did result in success on certain levels. But I didn't have any passion in any of those things. So I didn't really know because I wasn't taking passionate action. So I wish I knew that finding something that you are passionate about that can create a viable business and then taking passionate action on that consistently and really busting your hump on a daily basis to make it happen, that that is really going to get you to where you need to be quite quickly. Another thing that I wish I knew, Pat, was just how friendly and how open and how genuine the people are in this industry that have risen to the top. The Pat Flynn's of the world, the Derek Halpern's, well, maybe not Derek Halpern, but <laughs> just kidding. The Adam <laughs> Bakers, the, you know, just these really nice people. I was just kidding because Derek's a super nice guy. He just comes across as a pretty rash New Yorker, which I love that personality. Right, as well. Me too. But, um, you know, just how nice and genuine these people are that have risen to the top. And that's one reason they have. And so, you know, the listeners should be reaching out to people like Pat, you know, to people like myself, because I want to interact with you because you're the, the the listeners that I'm looking to inspire. And I'm looking to be inspired likewise by you, the listeners. It's a two-way street. And so those are a couple of things I really wish I knew because it would have made my leap a lot less scary. And I would have had a little less fear going forward, knowing that it's a really friendly, fun place at the top. Love it, John. 
I love it. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. All your insights and your inspiration. And just, again, congratulations for all the success. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this episode. And if, if this doesn't light your fire to do stuff and get stuff done now and take action, I don't know what will. Uh, John, you're just a prime example of someone who takes action. And um, just thank you for that. Pat, it was my pleasure. And I hope the listeners just come on these show notes pages and ask for a smart, passive fire podcast. I think it'd be great. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Everyone, you can get the show notes at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 77. Um, John, hope to have you back on again soon. And we'll talk about uh, how much even more successful you, you've become. Oh, I love that. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with John Lee Dumas from entrepreneuronfire.com. He is absolutely on fire, as you could tell. Just a lot of great things to share, not only from his experience with doing a day-to-day -day podcast, but also the experience he's had interviewing people, successful entrepreneurs from day-to-day, -day, like we heard at the end there. Now, if you'd like the show notes, all the resources and links mentioned in this show, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 77 to get all those. And really, I have nothing else to say but thank you, and I hope um, to hear your review, your honest review of the podcast on iTunes, and um, really just, just take action. Get stuff done. Do something now. Get started. That's what I'm going to leave you with. Whatever it is that you, you want to do, get started now. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.